Hey, Arman, how are you doing? What's good, my brother? How are you doing? I'm doing well. By the way, for our listeners, I am aware that we are a week late. This was because we were scheduled to record last week on the 26th. But the 26th of Jan is the Republic Day in India. And there was so much background noise that it was impossible to record anything. So we are recording a week late and this episode will be published a week late. Okay, two things for you. First of all, happy Republic Day. And second of all, what the heck is Republic Day? Okay, so India became an independent country from the British on 15th August 1947. But mm-hmm. that independence literally only meant that Indian officials and Indian people would be taking over the government and running it. But the rules that were actually being enforced on the people and everything else were still the ones that the British had created. Indians had to draft their own constitution and that takes time. So over a period of two and a half, three years, India made its own constitution and that constitution came into effect on 26th January 1950, I think. And that's Republic Day. So India became independent on August 15th. 1947 but it only got its its own constitution in effect and its own rules and regulations and uh, its own what do you say its own legal rules that its people made on mm-hmm. republic day do you guys have like founding fathers as well sort of we do but not exactly mm okay so basically it starts off with independence day and then republic day is independence day plus the constitution true republic day is not independence day no wait uh, republic day is not the independence day plus the constitution republic day is a separate date it's mm, 26 okay. january and this is the date on which the indian constitution comes into effect gotcha did you do any kind of celebrating Most people don't do a lot of celebrating but there is a lot of noise on the streets though. Is it one of those minority of people who really care about it? Is it one of those things where you know like you don't have to go to work, school is off, is it like that big of an occasion? It is, it is. So there's no newspaper on Republic Day and it's a public holiday. Everything is closed. Okay. So we have something like that for 4th of July where um 4th of July I mean it's like this big um Uh, I wouldn't say a holiday but somewhat of a holiday and there's fireworks and all that stuff going on so I would say that's pretty close to Republic Day um another one that could be somewhat compared is MLK Day when um it's Martin Luther King's birthday and for that uh, I mean work is like you don't have to go to work school is shut down and we just pretty much honor MLK Who is MLK So MLK was a individual that uh, led a lot of the uh, uh equality for blacks in the 60s and he was unfortunately assassinated but a lot of his ideas were what led to equal treatment of African Americans in the communities because around his time there was a lot of segregation that was involved so black people couldn't go into at the same restaurants as a lot of white people they couldn't drink in the same water fountains um if you went in the bus like the black guys had to sit in the back of the bus so MLK was one of the guys that was like pushing for a change and he was all about peace right harsh 
mm-hmm. his counterpart was Malcolm X, who I, I mean, I don't know much about him, about his autobiography recently, uh, but apparently he was like MLK, but like fight fire with fire, forget all the peace stuff. Uh, More radical. Huh? More radical. More radical, yeah. So, I mean, I I wasn't in that time, but I mean, I could understand both perspectives. Um, uh, but yeah, MLK is often talked about a lot, but Malcolm X here isn't like a given a holiday or anything like that. Hmm. How come MLK is this guy, right? Like the one you were telling me earlier, uh, Luther King guy, Martin Luther King Jr. Yes, I'm pretty sure it's because. he had the more peaceful way of going about it while Malcolm X was considered more radical. Yeah. Generally societies don't celebrate violent revolutionaries. What about Gandhi? I mean, do you guys have a holiday dedicated to him? We have something called Gandhi Jayanti, but lately Gandhi has become more controversial. So earlier people would think of him as this, you know, old guy peace loving guy etc but lately um, more people are becoming aware of his other past and other motives that he might have had for example uh, he was apparently a secret agent for the british like it apparently he was officially a secret agent for the british and in a lot of crises which it it does appear so by his actions that were in a lot of crises um, and a lot of indian freedom movements a lot of times he seems to have bailed britishers out and uh, a lot of people in india think that gandhi was actually an agent of the british and he kind of had his own motives behind things i think and some things actually stick out which kind of make me agree with some of these theories For example he wanted the union jack the british flag on the indian flag so he wanted a quarter of the indian flag to be the union jack mm-hmm. and his argument that the was that these guys are giving us freedom why should we not take their flag and that makes no sense to me whatsoever and it kind of corroborates a lot of these people who think that gandhi was not a good person of course the western media have popularized him as who he is today but in india this is not it's not the common belief anymore there's a lot of people who think otherwise now mm. and gandhi was assassinated over a lot of this type of stuff and there's a lot of people who actually like the assassin more than gandhi so gandhi really? is a little controversial now yeah i never heard of that before so is this something is this a sentiment that's been happening recently or is it been for some time in india it's probably been for some time but recently because of social media more people are hearing about these things and now it's spreading more so what would happen earlier is that the government would not let this become common knowledge right they do, they want people to be say at peace and what things like this do is that you know a lot of bad things have happened in the past but it drives people up it makes people angry and so the government was kind of trying to bury the past in a way but mm. because of social media because we have so many new influencers a lot of these things are spreading far and wide and you could say the sentiment for gandhi is rapidly changing right now interesting man i like 
I would not have been able to guess that at all. But I, I do agree with what you're saying in terms of how social media can alter legacies very quickly. Like the version of what you're saying is, from what I noticed, is with Thomas Edison. Uh, have you heard of Thomas Edison, the light bulb guy? Oh yeah, he's the guy who scammed Nikola Tesla. <laughs> well, that's his legacy now. But like, <laughs> like five to ten years ago, dude, like he was seen as like that guy. Like when you thought of an inventor, it's like man, Thomas Edison. You know, uh, he he had like all these famous quotes. But nowadays, every time you you bring up Thomas Edison, they're like, oh wait, he's the guy who stole ideas. He didn't build anything. Yeah, man, it's easy to get your legacy ruined nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it's uh the thing is like we're so unforgiving, and like people are like anyone could do what Thomas Edison did. I'm like, let's be real though. Like he created a lab where ideas can just happen. Like people try to undermine him. Like I, I get it. Like he held back Tesla a lot. But what he did wasn't easy either. Like any schmuck couldn't have done what he did, did like creating an idea factory. So uh, I wonder with this Gandhi thing, how much of it is valid and how much of it is like, you know, you're finding like a few detriments and it's just like killing his entire legacy. I think if those allegations are true, and I'm not sure if they are, but mm -hmm. if they are true, then he does not deserve the legacy that he has. If these mm -hmm. allegations are true and... So far, the evidence seems to be pretty okay, at least the ones that I have looked at, that these allegations are actually factual. So I don't know what to say. I think that a lot of these conversations are kind of moot because these things happened like 60, 70, 80 years ago now. And even if Gandhi was not a good guy, like what difference does it make? It's not like anyone it's not going to change anything in our lives anymore right and to top it off i think i think it's a little like you know it's like a war over religion that might happen <laughs> over this so really nothing good is going to come out of this and uh, i i do think that I, I don't mean like a war over religion like an actual war what i mean is that this is like a war over religion where who cares about like you can believe what you want this person believes what this guy wants but nothing actually changes in reality type of things mm. where whether gandhi was a good guy or a bad guy i still have my life to live and that guy lived 60 70 80 years ago i don't know when he died but and it makes zero sense to obsess over that individual because our job is to build the future not build the past of course, it is still important to correct the past and learn from it so that the mistakes are not repeated. But it it's 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 folly to obsess over the past. Yeah, and history in general. I mean, how much of it can you validate as true? How much stuff is being left out? I mean, how do you exactly know? It depends on how close or how far the history was. For example, if you take if you take like Plutarch's lives, okay. It's one of the oldest history books out there. This book was written 2,000 years ago and was written about people that were 500 years ago, like in for, in Plutarch's time. So it was written about events and people 2,500 plus years ago. And even then, like in Plutarch's histories, he writes about things that make no sense. Like, you know, a guy fighting senators and magic and things like that. So in just 500 years, this guy, this guy from... 2,000 years ago, Plutarch, he had no idea what he was writing about in many cases. 
and now we are more than that away from a lot of history and we have essentially second hand third hand fourth hand material for example heraclitus this guy's book <laughs> this guy's writings are lost we have fragments of his writings so we have other authors quoting heraclitus and that's all we have about this guy's writings and there's a lot of history like that where we don't really have the original text anymore we have a guy quoting this guy Mm. and that guy itself the one who's been quoted was writing about histories that happened hundreds of years before his time so if you go back in the way way ancient ancient world the sources are pretty sparse and what we do have does not seem legit i mean it it's legit maybe like the, the narrative makes sense maybe the events are true but the details are not true because like if you take the spartans okay like if you if you read the histories they'll say things like the spartan in his like armor and you know spear and everything he ran 1 mile and fought the enemy now does that make sense now there's a guy wearing a bunch of like maybe 20 <laughs> kilos of bronze armor in the sun he's running a mile and then fighting he's going to die immediately because he's going to be tired like this isn't up for debate any person would tell you even if you're extremely fit you run 1 mile wearing the spartan armor in the heat or even in the cold you are not going to be in the physical condition to fight and most historians agree with this sentiment so maybe the themes are true but the details are not true or you know made up or exaggerated and what happens is that when a historian is writing a history he has his own biases and his own people to please right for example if you were writing the history of islam in say saudi arabia i bet there are things you would not write about possibly yeah i mean exactly even though you're a muslim like even though you might be like the most uh, objective muslim out there and think that okay so yeah maybe we did some good things maybe we did some bad things but i am in this country now and <laughs> if i write about the other things i might get killed so i'm not going to do that and yeah. that's what happens to every historian right like let's say that you're a historian making a history of russia and you are living in russia at that time you you can't write about certain things you can only write about certain things and that kind of colors history over time and over time we also forget what those biases might have been so i saw this one quote that said if you think the news is fake imagine history amused chimp right something like that i mean i just thought shared but that's the thing with biases like you never know who has the biases that you're saying that like this guy like he knows everything he's a subject matter expert uh but this person may have biases themselves a lot of biases we're aware of and a lot of them are beyond our awareness so it's like my my philosophy is never underestimate how biased a human can be and never glorify someone's thinking processes from that like you could just take what works and discard what doesn't but history though harsh i mean it's one of those things like i never could like just lead with history like become an historian like I, i can't do something like that i feel as though i got to be building something I, i'm leading with myself first and then i'll look back at history to take some useful lessons and bring it back to the present but i can't just imagine like centering my entire life studying the past yeah that makes a lot of sense to me um i'm the same way i i want the lessons i want the juice of history but i don't want it to consume my life right uh, I think a good podcast to listen to is by this guy uh, Dan Carlin. He gives out a, he he makes he has this podcast called Hardcore History. 
mm-hmm. and it's a really really good podcast like i highly recommend it and uh, yeah if you want like good historical knowledge without actually becoming a historian this is your guy there are also great books you could read plutarch's life is a great book i highly recommend it then there's this book i read it's called the anarchy by this guy called william darlimpy so if someone wants to get some what do you say more recent history of india before independence this is mm-hmm. a good book for you and yeah man i've re- i've read a lot of history books but i definitely agree with your sentiment like you don't want to become a historian yeah one underrated way to learn about history is through autobiographies what's your favorite history book not an autobiography I don't really read history books like that man like I'll, I'll be real like I haven't read a history textbook or anything like that. I watch documentaries and stuff but um I haven't like sat down and read something like Plutarch's Lives or, or or something like that yet. I agree with you there like a good way to learn about history and not just history but also about human life and human experiences to read autobiographies. Yeah because I was reading um like Michael Jackson's autobiography once and like he's basically like talking about like the end of the 80s and he was talking about like what culture was like then who the president was then uh his ascension and it's like you're seeing so many different angles from his life and you're seeing a like when he was black and slowly he's showing signs of turning white because of his skin condition and how that came with its own racial like conclusions Uh, I was like, "Whoa! I'm getting a very immersive experience into history by reading an autobiography." So it's an underrated way. Um, but I should also read like what you're saying, like a lot of the history textbooks as well. How old was Michael Jackson when he started learning how to sing? He was five. I mean, the guy was a prodigy. Like he started when he was five. He had a couple of other brothers. They formed the Jackson Five. but you could clearly tell just like looking at Michael Jackson that he was going to be the future star so he was under the spotlight for years and um roughly around age 21 was when he was coming into his own that's when he created like thriller like billy jean all those songs and he became the king of pop so he was he could say that i'm i'm a 15 year vet at the age of 25 or something So that's how early he started off. Hmm. Wait, what happened to the other four? So the other four, so they have a very strange family dynamic where the other four like they tried to do their own thing, they tried to do their own solo careers. It didn't really work out, man, because you're in Michael Jackson's shadow. You're just known as like Michael Jackson's brother. And it hurt some of their egos. Like one of them actually started to make diss songs against Michael for a while. Um they have a weird relationship man i i think one got the other um brother's wife pregnant what <laughs> yeah i'm like well, dang man like you guys are either too close or <laughs> i don't know what the the deal is um there's some sisters too there's like latoya jackson jana jackson uh, latoya um wrote like a tell all book about the jackson family about how the father raped her how the brothers were like really mean towards her i mean that was a peek into the dark sides of fame right because they've been famous since they were little kids and they just grew up with the spotlight and you could argue that that's what led to michael jackson's death wait how can you argue that because i mean when you have that much pressure on you to just keep performing um anytime you make a mistake there's like all these headlines being written about you 
some of the stuff are like blatant lies. And Michael Jackson started to uh, go to his doctor for some um, anxiety drugs, medication. Drugs. Right? Yeah, yeah. So drugs. <laughs> a lot of drugs. Yeah, let's just put it like that uh, to fall asleep. Right? And one day he ended up taking too much and uh, they called the ambulance too late and he died a pretty young death. I think he died when he was like 51 or something. I've heard that he, he was castrated at a young age to preserve his high voice. Probably. like, um, So he died at age 50. Um, he So he has like the reverse. Like remember what we were talking about Gandhi? Like he had like this awesome legacy. And then uh, nowadays it's like, oh man, what happened to him? Right? Like mm-hmm. it's a like, like somewhat of a negative. Jackson had the opposite where throughout his career, when he was alive, like he got a lot of love, but around the end of his career, he got massive hate. Like he was actually just known as a pedophile. People are called him like, uh, like a freak and all of that stuff. But once he died, I, I recall that was one of those moments where like, that's when like new media wasn't really a thing. So we were all watching the same stuff on the news. And I just recall the news spending like a six to eight months just talking about Jackson's death every day and the world just stopped and we started to like reevaluate his legacy and now Michael Jackson was seen as a legend again. So nowadays when people bring up Michael Jackson, it's normally on a positive note, but around the end of his career, Brand, it was brutal. Like a lot of tabloids written about him. Man, I think his appearance did not work in his favor. He kind of looks freaky <laughs> and Makes people suspect him. Yeah. Apparently, he got laid a lot, though. Like, I mean, obviously, because he's a superstar. But there was, like, some stuff like, you know, is he gay? Because he acts all feminine. But his bodyguards actually gave some tell-all stuff once he died. They were like, Michael Jackson, he would call women fishies. Right? Fishy. Mm -hmm. So you'll see some interviews of him where he's just like, hey, look. A lot of fishies over there, which was translation for <laughs> yo. There's a lot of there's a lot of sexy girls over there. Let me go over there, and apparently, like he had a lot of game, right? But he would try to fool the media, so he wouldn't say, "Hey, look, there's attractive women." He'll be like, "Look, a lot of fishies." <laughs> Man, the guy has a creepy voice when he speaks normally. Like his singing is good, yeah, but that way of speaking, it just kind of i don't know it just makes makes me very suspicious of him yeah like you get a creepy vibe from him yeah yeah very very creepy vibe i think a lot of his appearance has to do with it he just looks Mm -hmm. like he has had too much plastic surgery yeah absolutely is he like like is his music played in india a lot very popular Okay. okay i like some of his songs i like uh there's a song called Are You Okay, Annie? I used to listen to that as a kid. Mm. What kind of music does Life Math Money listen to? I mostly listen to music by this guy. There's a guy called Tommy Lee Sparta. And he makes songs about, say, you know, being a Spartan and being productive and things like that. So I listen mm. to music that's a little motivational. Okay. I also like this one song. It's called Fighter by uh, Gym Class Heroes. Mm, okay. I wasn't expecting you to say that. I listen to songs that are productive and useful or like that motivate me. I don't listen to fluffy songs or sex songs or love songs usually. <laughs> Do you listen to any Bollywood music? 
not particularly unless i'm forced to for example when i'm in the gym people are playing it in the back then yes but mm. i wouldn't turn it on by myself usually let me ask you in the gym like do women dress modestly in the gym or do they wear like really tight clothes so the place i am at uh the gym and everything it's it's expensive so it's it's a lot of high upper class and rich indians and rich indian women are worse than american women mm like how so um they dress more pr- promiscuously they are way more promiscuous they want to be westerners so <laughs> they adopt the bad habits of the west but none of the good habits so <laughs> yeah you can think of them as like bad imitation of western women i have been noticing that uh, well there's a lot of like daisies coming to the us and um they're tr- it seems as though they're trying to be something that they're not it's like they saw certain versions of how to behave as a westerner on the media and now it's like they adopted those and they're here so it's very really easy to spot them the reason i asked about the wearing the tight clothes in the gym is because there's been a lot of these tiktok videos coming out recently where there's like a girl like that's like lifting and she's like recording this guy like secretly watching her secretly watching her with air quotes and she's like oh my god this guy is over here being such a creep uh, like just uh, like uh being so creepy and then she's basically trying to record him to expose him to her, her tiktok followers and each time these videos backfire because the guy isn't actually being creepy he's just kind of like looking uh, like around the gym just like anyone does and a lot of the times like the guy will come and ask to help her like lift a uh, heavy weight because she's doing one of these um one of these uh, workouts where she's on the ground so he's trying to be helpful and she's trying to frame him as a creep so i've been seeing a lot of these tiktok videos as of late man these tiktok people are insane tiktok yeah, influencers it, are like the worst of humanity right now oh my man it's like they want to paint these guys as creeps and like it's just like karmic justice when uh, like they just get dealt like they're not creeps you're the creepy one for recording that guy and there's this guy named i think his name is Joey Swole have you heard of him i think i have but i'm not sure he's like this uh, what is it yeah Joey Swole like he basically is like this swole guy that like reacts to the videos with logic oh yeah i know i know i know who you're talking about yeah I mean when I'm in the gym right and there's some chicks working out you're looking at the gym and you know you're you're doing your own training you're not like staring at some girl right but you're going to notice everybody who's there even if it's a guy right you're going to see around then look at what other people are doing because you are like resting between your set and you're already exhausted so you're yeah. just panting your eyes no one's being a creep <laughs> How are people supposed to work out in the future? How like, are people supposed to work out? Like, looking down. <laughs> Thou shall not lay thy eyes upon me. <laughs> They'll go to the gym with sunglasses on. <laughs> I, I mean, if someone is so yeah. bothered by it, if someone is so bothered by anyone glancing at them, then they should just stay home. Yes, yeah, stay home or, you know, yes, yeah, stay home. I mean you you're right about that or like guys will look at guys girls will look at girls guys will look at girls and vice versa it's not a big deal but I I think what's happening is that a lot of these individuals want to go viral they want to go viral for one of these like see I was done so wrong uh, sympathize with me and the algorithm normally rewards that so they're like looking for that moment they're trying to create that moment 
I think a lot of these influencers they just live extremely fake lives, right? They, I mean, let's. I've seen some videos of influencers, right? I've seen like you know influencer like morning routine. I'm this person wakes up dressed in the morning. Like you, you woke up in the clothes you wear during the day from bed. Like when I wake up, I look like <laughs> shit. My hair is messy, and you know I'm wearing you know loose clothes and everything. Mm-hmm. But no, not this influencer. This influencer has perfect hair. She's perfect wearing hair. her yoga pants and <laughs> that doesn't have to like change. <laughs> she changed the night before, wore the makeup, did her hair, then slept in the same position all night. <laughs> There's like background and music playing. It's it's become insane. And I think that this is not their fault, you know. This is not the influencer's fault per se, because Look at the business these guys are in. These guys are in the business of getting people's attention and making them watch their videos. And if other people are producing videos like this and people are watching them, what are these people supposed to do? If they don't produce these videos, then they will become irrelevant, right? Like people will forget about them. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of forced to do a lot of these stunts because other people are doing them. But at the same time, the industry as a whole can definitely be called as a bunch of fakers and liars, you could say. Yeah. I mean, it's the algorithm because uh, the algorithm does reward a lot of bad behavior. Um, they it's not a... the algorithm. It's not the algorithm. Mm. It's the, it's a demand. It's a demand, but let's be real. Like the algorithm creates a lot of demands. It's like the media doesn't just tell you what to think. It tells you what to think about. And nowadays the algorithm is the modern day. Like, Hey, this is what you should be thinking about. Like I've been seeing these random like nonsense videos non freaking stop about these slap competitions. Have you been seeing that recently? I have not. <laughs> it's so annoying. I'm like I don't want to see this. It's so stupid and it's like I just keep getting it's like the algorithm is really trying to get me to watch this. It's trying to get me to fall in love with this. And it's like if you're just a little bit aware of like what these algorithms try to like plant in your mind, you you could navigate around it better. There's a good documentary for anyone who's curious about this called The Creepy Line. You should definitely check it out, which talks about how the algos like try to dictate your perception. And if you're not aware at all, it's going to subconsciously be influencing your behavior. The Creepy Line. The Creepy Line. Mm-hmm. Do you know China has their own version of TikTok? Do they? Yeah, so TikTok is a Chinese company, but they have their own separate app with their own separate database. Mm-hmm. And on Western and Indian and other TikTok, what gets popular is people dancing and being stupid and, you know, <laughs> doing dumb shit. Yeah. But not in China. In China, the TikTok is controlled by the government. And what gets popular are people doing science experiments and things like that. So in China, if you want to get popular on TikTok, you got to do things that are some kind of achievement or a demonstration of skill or some something that would like inspire others to learn more or something like that. And apparently that type of stuff becomes really popular on Chinese TikTok because that's where the government wants to become popular. But on Western and other TikTok, it's all dancing and other bullshit. So you're right. Like this algorithm thing is like a weapon and the Chinese government seems to be using it against everybody else, making the teenagers and young people of every other country dumber and retarded in a way right and in their own country they're promoting science experiments and inventions and things like that that's insane i actually didn't know about the chinese version of that 
Yeah, so the Chinese version of TikTok is actually a good app from what I've heard. I know a guy who knows a guy who makes a lot of money from Chinese TikTok and Chinese mm. TikTok is completely different from Western TikTok. In the sense that if you did that stupid dance thing on Chinese TikTok, it would not gain that much traction, but on Western TikTok it will just go everywhere. On Chinese TikTok, it's all about achievement and you know, look, this I invented this, look how it works. Man, Things like where this. Can I, where can I download the Chinese TikTok? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> What's the TikTok like in like do you use TikTok? TikTok is banned in India. Although there is a life math money TikTok that is run by my friend my VA mm, from a it. different country. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we we'll, we leave it we leave it in the description. The thing is that it stopped gaining followers recently, so I don't know what's up with that. Mm-hmm. But I do have a TikTok. It's a it's an interesting platform apparently but i don't use it as much because once again i don't have much access like in i can't use it when i'm in india so where do you normally consume most of your content from i have a subscription it's called curiosity stream <laughs> i kind of found it on youtube mm-hmm. and you know i was being bombarded with it on youtube so i said okay fine i'll give it a try and it's actually really really good so instead of watching dumbass youtube videos I'll just watch a documentary every once in a while. So in the last year I must have watched like 200 documentaries just while eating. Mm. Curiosity streams really good. There's another It's, one called Gaia. I am yet to try that. Curiosity stream is really 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 good. And the documentaries are fairly entertaining. So it's not like boring stuff. When mm. people think of documentaries, you know, they think okay, this is going to be boring or some like a task to watch, but Most of these documentaries are extremely interesting. You said you watch a lot of those documentaries, right? Yeah, I mean, I'll see it on um I have Curiosity Stream as well. Um I enjoy documentaries a lot where before it was boring. It was super dry, but nowadays they know how to amp it up. The production quality is better. Um I saw this documentary on Walmart recently and uh, it was really interesting. I watched it from beginning to end and I was like and I lowkey want to watch it again. Um it, it's something to do, you know? It's like um rather than always being bombarded with crap, if you could make educational stuff entertaining, then why would I even bother with the crap? I think people like us, like people like you especially are intelligent, right? So you can make that statement, but most people would not watch documentaries. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's true. Um it's very sad though because um with I don't want to bash TikTok too much because there are certain parts of TikTok I like where if you're there's a lot of cool videos that I'll sometimes discover that's not crap but a lot of the stuff that goes viral are the crap and this is one of those ways where the uh, the pixels are influencing the atoms so what someone sees on um what someone sees on TikTok they're like oh this is cool now they want to apply it in their real life and they're like oh let me go viral too Uh there was this like really silly prank or like like boys were twerking in front of their dads to get a reaction out of them and I'm like man what cringe stuff and it's getting like 100,000 views and stuff and I'm like man this is one of those places where this little boy saw something on his phone and now he's acting like an idiot in real life it's like um so yeah the algorithms do hold a lot of power You know what you said has been going on for a longer time than you think. 
No, no, it's been going on for a long time, but nowadays it's like it just keeps keeps getting younger and younger and younger. You recall <laughs> two years ago when people would go into like these grocery shops, uh, take the top of a uh, ice cream off, lick it, and put it back in the fridge. I don't recall that, and I hope that's not true. <laughs> yeah, that was a viral. I'm like, bro, I, I can't even get the ice cream or anything anymore. Like, I, I don't even want to look at it. But people started to actually go to jail for doing something like that. But that was a viral, uh, like a viral challenge in 2019. Man, that's insane. Yeah. Can you get HIV by getting contaminated ice cream? Getting contaminated ice cream—that's a good question, uh, and. I don't know the answer to that. Man, get, imagine getting an STD because you ate ice cream. Oh, man. And it's like, wait a minute. Like, these ice cream stuff, like, it should have, like, one of these, like, laminates on top. Someone shouldn't just be able to open it and just be able to lick the actual ice cream. Yeah, that should not happen. I don't understand what's happening. Yeah, there was another challenge, the Tide Pot Challenge. Do you remember that? The only challenge I remember is that ALS Ice Bucket Challenge. Did you do it? No. <laughs> i guess my friends are not dumb enough to recommend me that challenge <laughs> yeah <laughs> dumb enough to not uh, and smart enough to not do it themselves do your friends ever get hooked on these challenges not yet hmm. i mean i know people who do it but they're not my friends <laughs> you curate them so, so how has life Math money been able to like sidestep a lot of the like the garbage that is trying to be put, peddled onto you. To be honest, I just don't have social media. So I I literally, the, the only social media accounts I have are for life math money. Mm. And you could look up my name. There's not a single result <laughs> you'll get. And uh, I just, I have no online presence besides this. I think last episode, I was convincing you to get an Instagram. Oh yeah, I might actually do that. The Instagram because thing I might need to do. Mm-hmm. The simple reason being that I meet a lot of strangers nowadays and everybody keeps asking me like, what's your Instagram? And I don't know, like it's like a contact number now. People don't ask for phone numbers anymore. They ask you what's your Instagram. And I think I might need to make one just for that because when you meet like a 19 year old girl and you know, things might happen with this girl and she wants my Instagram and I don't have it, then, you know, they think that I'm some creepy person. Like, you know, why don't you have say Instagram, that. bro? <laughs> I was like, what's wrong with this person? <laughs> so I might need to make one. <laughs> Instagram is it's like a dating app too. If you use it correctly, it, it could lead to better results than actual dating apps. I don't know. I've not used Instagram for dating yet. Mm-hmm. I am aware a lot of people use it for essentially like like a way to connect with girls. So mm-hmm. I might need to make it in, sorry, I mean, I might need to make an Instagram now, yeah. but I don't know. I just don't have the time for it, to be honest, like to, to run a social media account for like no other reason than just to go out with girls. Now, so, I wouldn't say like, you don't want to view it with that intent, like running it. Like you literally just want to do it, like view it as like a personal thing for you. Or, or it's like, if you're going trekking, you might as well just take a quick little pic, put a nice little filter on it, upload it. And it's like, you could see your life in document form. But if you're just leading with like, hey, I'm trying to get girls with this, it's going to be it's gonna be something it shouldn't be, in my opinion. Yeah, I get you. I get you. The thing is that you have to understand where I'm coming from, right? I'm not like a random guy making an Instagram account. 
I already run a very successful social media business, and mm-hmm. for me, I'm used to running social media a certain way. I'm not yeah. used to aimlessly being on social media. So when I'm on social media, I have like a purpose. I have to reach lots of people. I have to help more people. I have to improve my following, etc. And it's kind of ingrained over the. I've been doing it for almost half a decade now, right? And it's ingrained into me. So when the social media page is <laughs> open, I'm like, okay. So I'm not doing this for. as a joke right like it it right. has to have some purpose it has to help people and has to achieve my own goals you're trying to get an and, roi out of it yeah i'm trying to get an roi out of it not just for me but also for my followers and <laughs> i'm just not used to running a social media page for the sake of running it well i'm surprised you made it to age 27 and you never had a personal social media page cuz most of it has been just business related right All of it has been business related. Although I did have a Facebook account, which I deleted back in 2015. Mm-hmm. No so MySpace a... or anything. No man. See, I'm 27, <laughs> right? So MySpace was when I think it was popular when I was way too young. Oh yeah, yeah. So MySpace wasn't a thing for you. Uh, no Snapchat. No, I, I never you know had what, Snapchat. You, you know what Snapchat was initially for? Sexting. Yeah, it's like to send nudes. Man, I don't think I did much of that stuff back when I was in school and college, mm-hmm. and I mostly got more into dating when I was twenty-one and up. Mm-hmm. So by that time, a lot of these technologies were not popular, at least not here. The big one that I use a lot is WhatsApp. Okay, would you consider WhatsApp somewhat of a social media? Not exactly. It's like a messaging platform, right? Like my maid uses WhatsApp, so mm. if she's not coming, she'll send a message. I can't come today. I have, you know, my son has to go here or there or something. I have to go take him to school. So everybody uses WhatsApp. It's like SMS, asynchronous communication with other people. WhatsApp okay. and Telegram to an extent, but mostly Telegram. WhatsApp. Yeah, yeah. I view those in a different boat. WhatsApp, Telegram, GroupMe. Um, What about LinkedIn? Like you mentioned, you try to do something with Life Math Money on LinkedIn, but did you ever have like a personal one? I don't think I have a personal LinkedIn account. Not that, not nothing that's actually being used or anything. I think I don't remember to be honest. I don't think I gave LinkedIn a chance, but something about it just seems too fake to me. But but there's a lot of potential in LinkedIn. So I mean, um, definitely, I think you of all people should make a LinkedIn because your brand is more businessy, right? Like. a talking brand a public speaking brand I do have a LinkedIn uh, guys uh Armani Talks follow me I I got to be more active on that though You could just set up a software to put your tweets on LinkedIn automatically so you don't have to do it manually mm-hmm. But I know this one girl her name is Shreya Pattar from she's from Twitter but her main following is on LinkedIn and she does really really well with LinkedIn so LinkedIn is a good way to mm-hmm. reach business owners so if you're like a freelancer or something or a consultant It's a really great way to reach business owners and you know get clients, etc. Okay, forget business for a second, Harsh. Let's talk about your personal. <laughs> what, 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 what personal thing are you? you I was going back to the business thing. What personal uh, social media are we going to get you on? <laughs> Maybe Instagram. If I make one, it's going to okay, be okay, Instagram. Instagram. Okay, okay. That's the that's like the closest we're getting you to, but no Snapchat yeah. or anything, right? Instagram mostly because I've Snapchat's been asking. Yeah. I don't think anyone uses Snapchat here in India. Yeah, well, mostly uh, my bad. You were saying something with Instagram. Yeah, I've been asked by like six or seven girls in the past few months. Like, do you have Instagram? 
So now I think I should make one <laughs> just to see what the hype is about. <laughs> Let's just see what the hype is about. I mean, yeah, I mean, you don't want to use it like some people like they revolve their life around Instagram. Like they'll post everything like on their stories, like they'll post their vision board, everything on Instagram. I barely post, but like, um, so everyone uses it differently. So I, I could see you and me having a lot more similarities in that. Like, or you're probably not going to post a story about what you had for breakfast. I don't know. I might just make an account, give it to my assistant. Okay, you run this account. <laughs> you run it. You make it seem like me. Yeah, make it seem like me. You have some pictures of me, right? So I'll send you like the pictures I take while I trek. And you can mm-hmm. edit them, post them, pick up a caption, mm-hmm. DM the girls or whatever, you know, if they send you a message. Right, right. Cool. So I might actually have someone do it for me. Yeah, that, that makes sense. So um, you do curiosity stream. Um, other than that, do, do you consume any media nowadays or are you predominantly in creation mode? I don't consume a lot of media. I read a lot of books. I don't know if you count that as media. It is written media in a way. Are you like a physical book guy or you got a Kindle? Physical books. What about oh. you? So I bought a Kindle recently, man. Which one? Paper what? You, you, you want to see it? Yeah, bring it. Okay, give me a sec. Hello. Hey, hey, looks yeah. cool. Yeah. So this is a Kindle. Uh, very small, bro. I'm not gonna lie. I'm gonna eat my words. That's not small, man. <laughs> like, like, it's really small, man. <laughs> it's like the size of my palm. Oh, you missed the joke, but okay. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm gonna eat my words, bro. Because I was like, I had this snobby attitude where I'm like, man, I'm a paperback kind of guy. Like, I'm not. I, I, I'm not gonna be digital with books. And like whenever someone comes around my place, they'll see so much books. They'll be like, oh, my God, like, what is this guy? Is he like trying to solve some sort of big problem? Like, you know, something spooks him out. So I'm like, man, I'm running out of real estate. I, I need to actually reevaluate. So in the beginning of 2023, I was like, eh, let me just buy a Kindle. It was like 119 bucks. Bought it. Dude, I don't have one bad thing to say about it. Not one. It's very easy to read. Um, it's uh, it doesn't hurt your eyes. Uh, you're able to get through it quick. It's it's very easy to use. So I'm gonna take my uh, opinion back. I, I really like the Kindle. How much is the battery life of this thing? Man, I don't even know. Like I can't even recall the last time I charged it. So let's just say very long. Which book did you read on it last? I read. Um, uh, the uh, uh, I read the book iRobot uh, or I started it. Um, Isaac, Isaac Asimov or something. Yeah, yeah. Because I recall you bringing it up. And another book that I finished was The Everything Store by Brad Stone. Interesting. I'm I'm happy you like the Kindle. Yeah. Um, Which version do you have? Is it the Paperwhite or the Voyage or the Oasis? the Paperwhite one? I believe. I think when people buy Kindle, they should pony up and get the more expensive one. Because you only buy it once. Like this thing lasts like forever. Yeah. And it's very light. The only setback I would say 
and it's more of a personal preference thing. It's nothing on the Kindle. Is like when you finish a book, you have that feeling of accomplishment. Some dopamine gets released in the brain, which I don't necessarily have with the Kindle. But once again, that's nothing on the Kindle. It's more of a personal thing. I see. I yeah. also have a Kindle, by the way. I've had a Kindle since 2017, I think, and I've read like quite a few books on it. Hmm. And I had the exact same experience as you, where it's a great device. It doesn't train your eyes. The battery lasts like an entire day of reading, so 24 hours of actual use time. Mm-hmm. But when you finish a book, it doesn't doesn't make you. It doesn't give you the feeling of finishing something. It's just like okay, so what? Okay, so that's the main criticism you have as well. <laughs> yeah, you know what I used to do. I bought this Kindle in 2017, yeah, and I paid like 8,500 rupees for it. I used to have a sheet where I would track which books I read on Kindle and the price difference between the, you know, the paperback and the Kindle price. And I was trying to recover the cost I paid for it, even though it was like a small <laughs> purchase, right? Like 100 bucks. <laughs> I was like, no, I'm going to read exclusively on this thing until I made back my money. <laughs> <laughs> which one came out cheaper? No, I, I recovered the money on Kindle. The thing was that I, I read a book which was very expensive. It was like a 6,000 rupee book. Mm. But on Kindle, for some reason, it was like two 300 rupees. So I recovered a lot of money there. Okay. But yeah, I remember like, it's such a dumb thing to do, right? Like to, yeah. <laughs> to try to recover <laughs> the price you paid for a device by reading more Penny books page. on it. <laughs> 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 And I would try to be very accurate with it. Like with most of the things I do, I try to be very accurate. So I would like, you know, add interest. So if I had kept this money and invested ah. it, I would have gained <laughs> six, seven percent. So I would add like seven percent for the number of days, and then the balance would reduce. And you know, until I read the next book, the interest would accrue. It took me a while to recover the money. <laughs> this guy. <laughs> put into the kid. <laughs> but that was 2017, right? 2017, I was 20 years old, I think. 21 years old. And I just didn't have that much money. <laughs> yeah, no, no. That actually makes sense. Or when you don't have money, man, it just restricts you a lot. Where you'll travel somewhere new and you're just looking for the cheapest thing you could eat. And it's just... Yeah, I mean, money... Like I don't know why people say money can't buy happiness. Like it can if you use it strategically. Wait, have you ever been in that position where you travel somewhere and look for the cheapest thing to eat? Yeah, man. I mean, when I was like younger, like I would say in my twenties, like you were just mentioning, like I just viewed money in a very like, oh my god, like I don't want to spend more than I have to. I'd always look at the dollar menu. Nothing venturing past that. Um, sometimes I'd like go up place and i'll just buy like um i go to like the grocery store and just buy like a bag of meat and just eat that rather than actually go to a restaurant and enjoy the experience um but when you don't have money it's like you you gotta do risk and reward it's like i need to save the money for like traveling versus like on food so but when you have a lot of money you you can actually do both you could be like okay i'm going to spend money here and i'm going to eat the good food as well. Have you ever come to the realization that it takes very little money to actually live a decent life? Like it doesn't, you don't need that much money. Yeah, no, you don't need that much money. Um, 
that's actually another good counterpoint where it's like like you don't need that much money but having too little money is also a problem definitely definitely i agree with you that money buys happiness what i mean is that a lot of people when they think they think they need like a ton of money to live a good life and in my experience like back when i was like 20 21 i, I didn't have that much money and i was still pretty happy yeah of course if someone is struggling to survive you know you can't make rent then it's a different issue right because then, a, yeah. then your entire existence is at risk Mm-hmm. but there's not much difference at least not that i felt say eating at a restaurant which costs 300 rupees and eating at a restaurant which costs 3000 rupees i mean the experience and everything is different but you get used to it like back when i had no money like even even like a cheap restaurant would feel like an outing hey i i went out today mm-hmm. but now like now i can go any place i want any time i want and as many times as i want and it just doesn't have the same what do you say the same taste you know it doesn't have mm. the you know when you're hungry the food tastes better right it doesn't have the same sense of pleasure you know now it's like i can do it anytime so who cares is that why you go trekking a lot it's like you kind of put yourself in that primal zone i don't know i just enjoy trekking mhm but this whole restaurant thing is something i've observed right back as a kid for example we were like i, I didn't grow up in a rich family at all right right so, I would get like pizza on my birthday. So mm. I would really look forward to my birthday so I could go and get pizza with my mother. Uh, we would go to Pizza Hut. And uh, it was something I still remember those days. I still remember say going to Pizza Hut, having pizza on my birthday and what it tasted like. And now I can get any pizza I want. Right? I've been to pizza places which are like, you know, $100 for one pizza. and i'm like oh, okay who cares it's <laughs> it's a goddamn pizza <laughs> <laughs> but the memory stuck out with your mom more why it was scarcer right it was it was rare it, mm. it it required time to come and i just didn't have any control over it mm. as opposed to this is something i can have any time it means nothing and i i just take it for granted now i suppose one day if i was starving somewhere and i got to eat some be any random food i would be very happy with it for it but now when i have everything i i can be like okay i don't want to eat oil i don't want to eat this i don't want to eat that i only want to eat healthy mm-hmm. so appreciation the scarcity is a factor when it comes to appreciation like you don't appreciate things when they are not scarce mm you have to be reminded that you should appreciate them Yeah otherwise you, you you just expect it Exactly you expected for example Arman when you were broke how much did you appreciate getting an off day like from your subway job Oh man I appreciated it a lot How much do you appreciate it now Nowadays I mean nowadays there for me at least there is no off day it's like everything's on day so like my when i do take a vacation which is very rare it's a uh, i appreciate it a lot because now i'm just like okay finally i can turn my mind off for the next 2 to 4 days hmm well you But get my point right the what i'm trying to say i get your point and the point can be like really solidified when you're sick like when you're sick that's like ah oh, shit man i can't be- like i can't wait till i feel way better and that's when you're like man uh, like when i'm actually feeling good i just expect this to be autopilot 
But when you're sick, you're like, oh, man, like it could be taken away real quick. A lot of things are like that, Arman. Uh, I had yeah. a friend of mine who just lost their father or something. And I think they just lost their father, not a friend, like an acquaintance. Mm. I saw a WhatsApp say this. And uh, I mean, how often do you think about, I'm so grateful to have my father, but when they're gone, you're like, oh, wait, what? Right. It's taken away. Exactly. So you don't appreciate things you have that are constantly around you because that it would be crazy. Like for your brain, you just you'd be grateful all the time. It just it's not it's not sensible for your brain to be wired that way. But when things are taken away, you notice what's missing. For example, do you take for granted the fact that you can go down on the street and then come back up? Do I take it for granted? I mean, it's just autopilot for me now. Exactly right, but. During the two years of coronavirus, or at least the first 15, 16 days, where there was actual police roaming the streets to make sure no one gets out, I was so annoyed by the fact that I can't go out of my house. Mm. I see what you're saying. I, I, saw, I saw those videos with people, <laughs> the Indian police officers hitting people with sticks. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Did you get hit with a stick? No, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 that's true. Another time that stuff is noticed harsh is in a funeral. Like, have you ever been to a funeral? I have, but Indian funerals, not Western funerals. Man, one bad habit with Western funerals, uh, I mean, I don't know the logic behind it, is like they have open caskets a lot of times. So the, you see the dead body, and I'm just like, oh, man, bro, like this is like pretty haunting, right? Like this is pretty like, traumatizing especially like if it's someone that you're very close with you know i'm like why do you guys have open caskets like i still don't get that to this day probably some kind of tradition so that you can verify the person the claiming is dead is actually dead no i think it's something like more spiritual man like i went to this what i i went to this funeral like a few years back and the guy died in a car accident and the car like burned right it was a very like like sad way to die and apparently it was supposed to be an open casket funeral so when i go in the funeral like they like glammed him up like there's like makeup like he looks very like like puffy and i'm just seeing like it's a dead body and i'm just like man i felt so like off but afterwards i felt like i was like man like this life is short so you gotta live it and when you're in a funeral dude like you see like the parents and like the like the family, they're just crying nonstop. I mean, it's a very dark atmosphere to be in. Man, I could not imagine displaying a guy's body that has been completely burned. I mean, I get the family sees it, but to display it to guests is just, I don't know. I'm not from your culture, right? So I don't really know why they do it, but. Well, the way that it looked like you couldn't tell that he was burned because they put like that much makeup on him. So it, it looked like a puffy guy but like you couldn't tell that he was burned which i'm like i don't know who the makeup artist was but, but damn but some there was like another funeral where it was open casket i'm like nah man I, I can't look at that because i know the guy and i can't like just look at his dead body like it's too like i don't Listen, know man. i don't know yeah i don't know if it's mentally even healthy to look at stuff like that i think it is i think it's actually body. Mm. i think it's a good thing it kind of reminds you that that's gonna be you one day 
Yeah, I mean, th there was like a because we were like all driving in a car to that place. So some people were like, oh, I'm not looking at the body. Other people were like, well, they gave the logic that you just gave. Like, you should look at it because it reminds you of your own death. I mean, looking at dead people is the quintessential human experience that almost every human got since the day of dawn, you know, since for thousands of years. And I think the fact that we are so disconnected from these quintessential experiences is kind of why we are where we are as a race in a negative way. For example, mm -hmm. if I told you, where does meat come from? What would your answer be? I mean, from animals. Exactly. But if you ask a lot of modern kids, where does meat come from? They'll say from the supermarket. Mm. Because I for them, they're so disconnected from the fact that an animal is slaughtered to get the meat. They just think, okay, you go to the shop, you buy meat. Like, Where do clothes come from? They come from the earth. The cotton plant is grown. The cotton is extracted. Then it's sewn into cloth. But most of us, when we think of cotton, we just think, okay, we go to the shop. This is made in the factory. I just buy it. It's mine. Yeah. So people are not connected with things that they historically and evolutionarily were always connected to, like death. Like historically, you would know a lot of dead people, right? People would die of disease, of old age, of wars, etc. Yeah. It was a thing that was on your mind. And nowadays, people don't have any sort of risk on their head, right? They're 100% safe. They, they know, like, for example, if you're a guy who lives in the US or India, you know no one's going to invade you. No one's going to say, invade your country, rape your women, kill all the men, and take all the girls and children as slaves. No one's going to do that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and all of these things were risk factors in the past like oh, these were things you might actually have thought about quite a bit like what would i do if this happens so because there's so much safety people have become complacent and they've kind of started inventing fake problems like wokeism and it's kind of why we have the whole victim olympics like these girls would not be making tiktok videos of random people accidentally looking in their direction and putting them up on tiktok if we had real problems right if That's we had true. say some kind of war going on and there's a chance you might lose that war and then your people would be taken as slaves then we would not have this going on so i don't want to be the person who makes the argument that war is a good thing because it brings the best in humanity but having zero conflict going on in your entire life with and living in a completely safe environment definitely has negative consequences. No, you need problems because that's what the br the brain is a problem solving machine. But on the same breath, it's also a problem creating machine. If it doesn't have any productive problems to solve, definitely not just problems. It needs some kind of something to sharpen it, right? Like it. it if I take a pair of wool, if I take like a big pack of wools. Mm -hmm. From the forest, uh, these wolves are going to be vicious. They would know how to fight. They would know how to hunt, right? Yeah. But let's say for one year straight, I keep them, say, in some kind of cage or something. Or not not just in a cage, like in an orchard, let's say. And I give them free food and water. So I give them enough meat, as much as they want, unlimited supply, whenever they want. Mm -hmm. And enough clean water. What is going to happen to these wolves in three years, two years, one year, ten years? It's going to get these soft. They're going to get soft. They're going to get fat. 
and they're going to become useless they will forget how to fight they will forget their aggressive nature they will become dogs unless they're good trained dogs they're, they'll be completely useless so that's what happens to people i mean i think the modern version of it like i, I you're right like there's not invasions and stuff happening all the time but a lot of the modern version of it like to seek problems productive problems is doing some form of entrepreneurship because it just keeps you mentally alert i'm saying like you got to find something that just keeps you mentally sharp and uh, i mean like nowadays the wars and stuff aren't being fought left and right so what's a good activity do you think that will bring productive problems into your life sports any kind of competition any kind of hardship anything where being competent is very good and being incompetent will get you messed up people that fight in the wars uh, in india like how are they treated like do they get like special discounts or anything like that they don't get special discounts they no veteran I mean, they do they actually do get discounts but not at regular stores they mm. they they have these their own shops they're called I, i don't remember what they're called i think cantonments or something yeah and everything at those cantonment shops is much cheaper than the shops for the regular public and mm. they get discounts for things like airfare and everything else um besides that they are treated with a lot of respect by society and they get a very nice pension after they have retired so a lot of people want to work for the military for the pension and yeah it's a respectable job it's a respectable profession to be in in india i know that's mm. not the case in the west right a lot of westerners no longer respect the military very polarized like where one group they'll like automatically be like thank you for your service like straight up respect other groups will go up to people that are wearing military costumes and be or clothes and be like baby killer and just run away i'm like what the hell Yeah man the west's the the second group in the west is insane but like, second group i don't see i don't see it too much but like i, I do see, I, i saw it once and apparently there are groups like that where there was a guy on our side of twitter before he deactivated his account but um he was growing and he used to be in the military and one time we got a skype call and he was telling me how he got a lot of mixed reactions like one group of people like loved him they would always like buy him um uh, a dinner whenever he had his a uh, clothes on uniform on and another group every now and then like would spit on the floor when he was like you know walking man that's that's a sad thing to do right this guy sacrifices time and life to protect you and your people and this is how you treat him so ungrateful and let's be real just due to the brain it's going to remember the like the spit more than uh, like someone buying it uh, buying him food but i kind of get the second group here like i i understand where they're coming from because the us military is not it's not primarily a defense military right it's more like a aggressive military which goes into other countries and kills civilians like what they did to syria and a lot of these other countries mm. uh, iran etc and a lot of people at least americans believe that these wars are being fought for different reasons than the ones i said like vietnam was a war that was on a different pretense and that was what was being told to the public and you could make the argument that this is not a military that's supposed to fight evil like this is the evil mm. like you're going to other countries and killing their civilians that that makes you evil so i understand where the second group comes from also 
but I'm not sure as an outsider, right? I'm not American, so I, I don't know how to process it. I can say in India, right? Like I had a client who was the wife of a soldier who had died in battle. So in India, we use the word Shaheed for someone who dies in fighting. Mm-hmm. And in all the years that she was with us and she is still with us, I have never charged her any fees. So we just help her out for free. Also, and this heard is like that a, veterans are the widow's discount. It's not a discount. It's just like, just we're respect. happy that, I just respect. Yeah. I mean, what more can she give? Like she lost her husband. Like what more can a woman give to anybody? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, man. So in India, they really, really respect the military. But in the West, I've heard crazy things. Like I, I saw this guy on Twitter and his entire thing was to find out who's in the military and then to go and try to fuck their wife. Because apparently the woman gets lonely, like not having her man around for months and months. And a lot of these military wives in the US cheat. So Twitter is a crazy place. And apparently in the West, they don't respect their military people. For well, I wouldn't say I wouldn't sometimes say that's the justify military. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's a gen- I think generally, <laughs> like if you go to like down the street, most people respect the military, but there's like one out of ten people that don't, and they're very vocal. Ten percent is a big number. Oh, not even like you know, just, just minority. <laughs> You're such a numbers guy. One out, one out of every thirty people. But like, let's say like you know, life, math, money your dms like you're getting 30 positive comments one is like you're the biggest piece of shit blah 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 the negativity bias of the brain for the random person will have the stickiness effect to the negative so these people are normally more vocal but yeah i mean here um if you're typically like you you served uh, you often get a, some sort of discount um and a lot of businesses they'll just like They'll post whatever they have and they'll write veterans owned. And it's been proven to, you know, raise a little bit of sales. Wait, how much is the veterans discount? Uh, it depends, man. Like, I, I think, like, when I worked in Dunkin' Donuts, it was like 15%. And for the longest time, I didn't know <laughs> that there was a veterans discount. So it's like, hey, hey, young man, I served. I'm like, good for you. It'll be seven dollars fifty-eight cents. <laughs> and then Did they not day, say anything. He, he was so polite. Actually, a bunch of them were polite. Um, we we're supposed to give police officers discounts too. And then one day, Awal, like my manager, was like, yeah, he's like, he's like, hey, uh, you know, they, they get discounts, right? I'm like, they do. <laughs> and I was like, he's like, yeah, you, you ever been giving them discounts? And uh, from there on out, I started to like, you know, put in the code, but I didn't know. Man, especially with I coffee, because think... coffee, uh, like there's a saying like America runs on Dunkin'. Um, people don't go to Dunkin' Donuts for the actual donuts. People go for the coffee and you'll see people savage side with coffee. Like if you don't get it exactly right, they'll be like, uh, I said two sugars, not one. Like they get like very primal from that. Man, isn't Dunkin' Donuts, do they sell coffee? I was not aware of that. Yeah, so... When I worked in Dunkin' Donuts uh, in undergrad, I worked with like a bunch of Bengalis, right? Most Bengalis like here, they'll go to 7-Eleven, Dunkin' Donuts, or Subway. So when I was in Dunkin' Donuts, there was another guy my age. And he knew everything about Dunkin' Donuts, but you could tell like he didn't like it. And one day, um, you know, I was working, Harsh, and I was just like, yeah, man, I got an exam tomorrow. 
And he's like, you get to take exams? And I was like, what the hell? Uh, I, I have to, <laughs> otherwise I'll fail. And he's just like, what kind of a student are you? I'm like, I'm an engineering student. And this guy, like my age, is like, it's always been my dream to be an engineer. And I'm like, well, why don't you do it? You're still pretty young. And he's like, I can't leave. Because like he works with his mom and dad. So like, he's like the engine oh of that Dunkin' Donuts. So he's oh, kind of like, yeah, he's kind of stuck in that. So he's just like, I'll teach you whatever you need to know for this job. But can you just tell me about your typical day in the College of Engineering? And that was one of those moments where I was like, ah, damn, man. Like this guy's life goal is to be a an engineer. And here I am in the College of Engineering and I'm taking it for granted. So it was just that Duncan doing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> well, I was paying for the like, like a little bit of tuition. Like I had extra money and stuff. But uh, during that time, like he would pretty much like do a lot of the work and stuff and you could tell like he did not want to be in Dunkin Donuts but he didn't want to leave his family uh behind so he, he he was just working for that reason isn't that like a sad thing to happen to him though very sad very sad and i was just like dude you if i were you i'd do some part time classes or something and cuz his dad had a back issue so uh, like he had to help his dad make the donuts and his mom like had some memory problem so he had to help them um with like he basically had to be there otherwise that dunkin donuts would collapse yeah man that's hard that's hard yeah have you ever realized the fact that a lot of human happiness comes or i would say a lot of human unhappiness comes from comparison mhm in the sense take this guy okay let's say that he had never met you and he was blissfully unaware of the fact that engineering existed and let's say that he was surrounded by some kind of war you know let's say that he was in a deep economic recession but his business was still making profits people around him were starving suddenly he would no longer be unhappy suddenly he would be very happy he would be like i have a business and my business is making money and i have food to eat and other people are starving like i can see dead bodies outside and even though nothing has changed with his own existence he would be happier just by comparison so mm. you can make a man sad or happy or a woman sad or happy just by making the people around them fortunate or less fortunate or less fortunate for example i i'll give you one more example okay mm-hmm. let's say that you are someone who makes 100000 dollars and you move and you you live like in a place where everybody makes 50000 dollars and you're going to be very happy you'll be like hey i make double what everyone else makes hey i'm the rich guy i can buy anything i want i'm the coolest but one day you sell your house and you're like okay i should move to the rich people's colony where everybody makes 200000 dollars Mm-hmm. and suddenly you're going to be very upset suddenly even though everything in your life might exactly be the same but because you're surrounded by people who are making much more than you you are going to be much more unhappy because by comparison you're like the poorest guy around like i i don't even have the same car as these guys do their food is better than mine i feel like a fucking peasant well there's a saying for this it's called keeping up with the joneses joneses have you ever heard that figure of expression I have but I'm I'm saying something different. What I'm saying is that 
the, the keeping up with the Jonas's thing kind of means that if your neighbors bought something expensive, then you also buy to keep, you know keep up with them. Mm-hmm. Like if they buy a big car, you buy a big car, so you have the same social status. But what I'm saying is something different. What I'm saying is that I could take the most unfortunate person on earth and make him feel lucky by not changing anything in his own life. For example, let's take some depressed guy. Okay, let's take a guy who's like, "His my life sucks. I work at you know Dunkin' Donuts or Subway all day, and you know I have no money and I'm sleeping on the street." And let let's let's surround him with a bunch of starving children, you know, like a bunch of people who are starving to death. And suddenly he he's gonna be far much he's gonna be much happier. Mm-hmm. I mean, not 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 happier looking at the starving people, but happier knowing that you know things could get much worse, and he's doing pretty okay. So, human happiness is kind of like the function of human happiness involves how successful the people around you are. And this can be both a good thing and a bad thing. The good, th- the bad thing is that, you know, it kind of takes joy away from life where joy should be there, right? Even though you might be doing really well, just because people around you are doing better does not should not make you sad, but mm-hmm. it does because that's how the brain is wired. The good thing is that if you are a competitive person or someone who can get inspired easily, then this might motivate you to be better uh, it, it might you might be like okay so i shouldn't be happy with what i have i should strive to do more because if these people can do it so can i mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so there are pros and cons to it but your friend i think he if he if he had never met you and never met any engineers he would have been happier yeah no i get your general point and what was hilarious about that moment I wrote a newsletter about this and the thing with writing harsh is that it helps you spot these lessons that you are completely unaware of and brings it to the forefront of your mind. But when I was 20, uh, like I'm pretty sure he was jealous of me because I was in college of engineering, but I was somewhat jealous of him because he knew the entire menu of Dunkin Donuts inside and out. So whenever like a customer would come and be like, Hey, I'll like a caramel milk frappe with blah, 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 blah. This intricate order. I'm like, the fuck are you asking for me, bro? I, I don't know what you're asking for me. But this guy knew the order. And some a part of me was a little jealous. I'm like, how come you know so much more than me? So this is what I call dual jealousy. He was jealous of me because he was comparing uh, engineering experience. And I was jealous of him because I was comparing Dunkin' Donuts knowledge. Have you heard this phrase? The grass is always greener on the other side. Mm-hmm. I did I did an article on this and the concept was that well the other side feels the same way and they would be happy to exchange. Well, I had this one tweet one time. I was like the person you're jealous of is also jealous of you or I said it some like maybe jealous of you and I got a DM about it uh, from this one woman who just had a divorce recently but she was like killing her career killing it with her career and her sister had a great marriage but her business kept failing or something like that. And she was just like, this tweet is so accurate for me in my life. Like I'm jealous of my sister and my sister is jealous of me. It's called dual jealousy. That's an interesting concept, isn't it? Yeah. Dual jealousy. I think a lot of people have that. Do you think a lot of people get jealous of you? Because I mean, let's be real. Like nowadays, one thing that people keep up a lot with are follower counts and like 
engagement rates and all of that stuff. And like you're like creme de la creme with that. So I wonder how much jealousy you secretly inspire. I don't know. Somewhat, probably, because you know the social profile is so public. Mm-hmm. In my real life, not in not what do you, what's the word for it? Not intentionally, because I live a pretty low key life superficially. In the sense, I have like a normal car and everything like that. So you don't flex. Uh, I I don't flex. I don't flex. <laughs> I don't intentionally flex. Sometimes it just accidentally happens. Where, for example, um, if you go to a restaurant, right, and you, I sometimes I would go with some people I don't really know, and the restaurant is expensive. I'm not used to looking at prices of things before I order, so I might just take or order three dishes, and then everyone's staring at me like. Dude, we were just gonna order the cheapest thing here. <laughs> <laughs> Harshest treating us. <laughs> yeah, so I'm not. It, it, I don't intentionally flex, but sometimes it just it just happens, and you don't realize that you did it. Yeah. For example, I was someone was asking me how much their shoes cost, and I was like, they cost me two hundred dollars, and like, and the guy was like a little shocked because apparently he makes two hundred dollars a month, so. I, it wasn't intentional. I didn't realize it, mm-hmm. and yeah, I try not to flex. I try to avoid it as much as I can, but sometimes it just you can't hide everything, can you? Mm-mm. Sometimes, like you're not even trying to flex, but the other person just somewhat views it as flexing. Yeah, so you, I mean, you you can't go out of your way to protect other people's feelings. That that's dumb, mm-hmm. but. It makes sense to not trigger them intentionally, so that's what I do. I just I do I avoid doing things that that I would say are like intentionally flexing. But if it happens naturally, it just happens, man. I can't help it. Right, because one thing that you're probably not trying to flex on, but it just happens, is your height, because you're six foot, and a lot of individuals that are like five nine. Um, it doesn't always uh, always happen, but every now and then, like people that are five nine, somewhat resent people that are a little bit taller. Like, what the hell? Like, you know. And it's not just with height. Sometimes it could be with looks. Let's say you're a very aesthetically pleasing looking person. Someone who's not as good looking will be like, oh, look at that person. Like, uh, yeah, they're good looking, but how smart are they? They'll just somewhat paint that narrative. Oh man, you remind me of an interesting story. <laughs> <laughs> Did that happen to you? Yeah, it happened to me. <laughs> Did it? Yeah, but someone was like, so I kind of this was like I heard secondhand information, but apparently someone new had come. Like, this was when I was working for someone else back when I was eighteen, and someone new had joined the company, and they kind of didn't like me for some goddamn reason. And the comment they made was, "This guy must be really dumb." Mm. And back in office, I was known as like it's the smartest guy in office. Right. Not as like not as like in a mocking way, but I could solve all of the computer issues and everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that was really funny. <laughs> I took it as a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> it, it just happens, man. Another thing with dual jealousy is like I one time had dual jealousy with one of my best friends. So he's very like he's not super short, but he's like five eight. But he has this big beard where he could just get a beard on autopilot. Where I'm the opposite. I'm six foot but I can't get a beard. I'm jealous of his, his beard and he's jealous of my height. Um, so that's another f- form of dual jealousy. 
And you could sometimes talk about it in a comical way. It, it can actually build rapport. Yeah, that makes sense to me. You're right. Like for example, like, hey, I like your car. Like you know, like I like I like the fact that you're like an investment banker, and you could be like, yeah, I I like the fact that you can relax whenever you want and not have to work twenty yeah. hours a day. Yeah, because you're subtly giving them a compliment as well. You see what I'm saying? Yep. I will say the whole dual jealousy thing, at least not dual jealousy, but the whole extreme jealousy thing is more feminine than it is masculine. Like mm. women get extremely jealous. For example, like if if you have if you, if a girl sees a girl that's much hotter than her, like her immediate assumption is something negative. Yeah. And uh, yeah, man, I think I think jealousy is mostly a feminine emotion. I don't see men being extremely jealous in general. Yeah, one of the biggest insults to call a man is bitchy. Like if you're a bitchy guy, like you're like gossiping and you're throwing rocks at someone, you're making fun of your boys in front of outsiders. Like those are bitchy characteristics, and that's like the lowest of the totem pole. Definitely, I think that those are the worst. I think guys don't get jealous because the hierarchy for guys is based on competence, right? For mm. example, when I used to play football. like the guy who was at the top of the social hierarchy was the best football player and the people who were below him didn't resent him right they they were like okay this guy this guy is very good at this game i should learn something from him and they were friends with him and this guy would help us get better at our game and it it's not the same with women women's hierarchy are not hierarchies are not generally based on competence they're based on social status so whereas like a guy like for example if let's say that five of us are electrical are in, you know like electricians Mm-hmm. The guy who's the best electrician will get more the most respect from us. Mm-hmm. Like when I when we're hiking, like the guy who's the best at hiking gets the most respect. Like, and that's not something we resent. We're like we give it to him because he's really really good at it, and he gives us some tips and everything. He helps us out. But with with women, it's more like who's the hottest, who's the most social, or who's <laughs> the most well liked, and their hierarchy is more dependent on how liked you are. So. it's like how popular like the most popular person is determined by their ability to get popular so it's more based on what purse you have what you know how good your husband is and things that are not rooted in their own competence in a certain way and i think that's where a lot of these jealousies stem from because there are things you can improve and there are things you can't improve and with women a lot of their judgments and evaluations of worth come from things that are not strictly in their control. Hmm, I actually never thought about it like that. Cuz you're basically tying in the jealousy with the competence part or what's controllable in the competence. Yeah, so for men's hierarchies, right? Men and not just not just the competence. I mean, it's a genetic thing maybe, but men tend to form their hierarchies based on com- competence. Like if even if you take like five people who play video games, the best video game player would be like the top of the hierarchy mm-hmm. like he would be considered you know this guy is the coolest you know he, he he's the best at this we learn from him or something and you know things like that but with women that's not the case with women the the top of the hierarchy is based on how socially suave you are in a way you know how how socially suave you are and uh, it's not based on competence it's I more think- like how cool yeah. you are how... well, well to 
like you know bring up one thing i think it could also be applied to guys as well when the measurement of competence isn't like concrete like with a lot of famous rock bands what happens is the lead singer gets most of the credit but those are one of those things where it's like should they get most of the credit some can be like well yeah i mean they're like the face of the brand but it's one of those things where like the guitar person brings in their own unique um skill sets the drummers all of that so a lot of bands dude break apart because of resentment and jealousy and i was i was like why because it's not as concrete as let's say like a basketball player if you're consistently scoring the most points or if you're the best defender then boom like we know you're the best but with like ambiguous topics like um uh, like rock band like who's the best it's difficult it's like something like me and you like we should technically be in that form where we are jealous cuz this is a very um subjective experience like who's the best podcaster but see this is why like often the media can like paint people pin people against each other cuz they'll be like saying uh the lead singer is the best in the group and now all the other ones are like well, what about us? We bring something good to the table, but we're not we have shared alignment. But imagine if someone keeps asking the question, "Well, who's the better podcaster, Armani or Life Math Money?" And now it's like, and now it's like, no, no, I'll be like Life Math Money. But it's just like, you, do you see the point that I'm trying to make? Yeah, I get you. I get you. <laughs> By the way, for anyone wondering, it's Armani because I just get into monologues all the time. Armand directs the podcast where it needs to go. And as the one asking the questions, if it was up to me, I would just be talking all the time, not even giving him a chance. So no, I, li- I like your monologues, man. I, I like, um, I-, I learned a lot from these podcasts. Like I always leave s- smarter after the episodes. Likewise, brother. But yeah, if it wasn't for you, this would just be like a big, long monologue. <laughs> Well, that's the good thing about these podcasts, bro, because when two people get together that have their own unique interests and stuff and they like get together and they're capable of creating synergy, that doesn't always happen. True. But I think that two is like a good number for a podcast. If you had four people or mm-hmm. even three people, you remember the episodes we did with Matt and Kyle? Mm-hmm. It was getting hard to figure out when we should talk because when say a person one finishes talking, and we're not in the same room together, right? We're all over the internet. Then mm-hmm. two people talk at the same time. So person A finishes, but then both people reply at the same time. So one person, like two people on a podcast is smooth. But when you add three and more people, it just becomes harder to record it. Because let, let, let's say I ask a question and it's a general question. Both of you can answer. It's likely that you will both answer at the same time. Mm, yeah the timing is definitely an issue and it's a huge pain in the ass for the editor to you know separate out the voices and you know make it sound legible to the listener yeah i think that's why a lot of these bigger podcasts that have multiple guests they tend to do it in person they don't do it online they have like a room where everybody goes and meets and they record and these are another field, Harsh, where I see a lot of cattiness go on. Like, every now and then, like, I'll see, like, the Manosphere space. Like, they're all, like, sharing similar ideas. But then out of nowhere, like, these content creators are calling each other out. Same in the fitness space. Like, do you see that? Like, a lot of fitness drama going on. I'm like, why does that always happen? Like, when humans scale, like, drama just happens. Partially because of the fact that people love drama, so people make drama. Yeah. Demand, supply fulfills demand. Mm -hmm. 
but also partially because think about this industry right this is a lot like the girl hierarchy where your social status is not de- dependent like not entirely based on your competence but also based on how popular you are so your popularity depends on your ability to be, get popular and that kind of tends to produce feminine behavior in people mm were a you a lot of it mm-hmm. go ahead no no go ahead go ahead finish the point a lot of it is just people capitalizing on the drama for example like if a big youtuber attacks my brand lmm and i have like 10000 subscribers on youtube and that guy has 1 million i would love to get in that fight like mm. i'm all in brother like if you have 1 to 5 million followers or subscribers on youtube and you want to start some kind of public battle with me on youtube and you know diss each other i'm all in <laughs> wasn't it very similar when huffington post attacked you oh man my audience was bigger than huffington post <laughs> still is like their subscribers their twitter followers are like one fifth or one tenth of mine so really i think so yes oh man how did the huffington post beef happen or or like uh, attack happen in the first place So I got endorsed by somebody popular in India and they mm-hmm. were attacking the person who endorsed me and uh, they kind of just published random shit so they didn't even read anything and they published a very one-sided report on it and they they spelled my name wrong twice so they called me life math monday and <laughs> life money math or something like they spelled my name wrong twice It's like lady you're writing an article about me at least get my name right you got to at least know that yeah and uh, it's essentially like the lower psyche individuals work there and produce the lower psyche dumbest shit for the lower psyche people who consume it so it's you know what they look like yeah the, the 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 girl who wrote that article is obese so i i, I don't have high expectations from mm. them <laughs> I'm not even joking. I'm not like saying that out of spite. Like I looked up the author mm-hmm. and this individual is at least at 60% body fat. They're obese as hell. So I get that LMM content is not going to resonate with this quote unquote human being, but it What was it was an uncalled for attack. So I think I've defamed them enough. Not exactly defamed them, but you know, let people know that these guys produce false news and they don't research anything they don't even proofread their own articles and huffington post india shut down so i outlive them nice one of many victories one of one, many victories <laughs> one thing that people need to do is before you attack someone especially you put your thoughts into words because you have thousands of thoughts and you're basically when you're writing you're just choosing a few of those thoughts you better come with some facts and you better understand the other person's side because too many people are writing attack pieces but they don't even know the other side they don't need to right see think about it arman think about mm. it 99% of the time when they're attacking someone that person can't fight back right they like give you attack a random citizen using your newspaper mm-hmm. that's a random citizen he does not have any influence he can't correct the record the mistake huffington post is that they went after me the the mistake they went made is that they went after a guy who has influence who has people who listen to him and who can put his side out and people will read it 
So they can't just produce one-sided bullshit and then everybody just has their side. Like I can produce my side and have it get as much attention as their side does. So that's, that's a mistake. Usually they're used to making attack pieces on people who are defenseless, right? It's like slaughtering a baby. They're making attack pieces on people who are like regular people. They don't need, they might not even use social media and they have no recourse. But when they attack someone like me, I have recourse. I have my own blog. My blog gets more hits than your website, Huffington Post. So, and my tweets are more popular than your tweets. So if you're going to publish negative stuff about me and then I write negative stuff about you, it's like, I can attack you back. It's fair but game. Most, yeah, it's fair game. But most of the time, they attack helpless people. So they don't think about these things. They're not used to this environment where people can talk back. The whole mainstream media thing, they've, they've kind of grown up in this environment where they are the sole voice on the planet and everybody just listens to them because they are the only ones who are heard. And right now, in the last few years, they're getting in that environment where that's no longer true. Like you have individuals with way more influence than these influencers, sorry, than these mainstream people. Do you remember when they tried to malign Joe Rogan? I do remember that. <laughs> and it didn't work. <laughs> Yeah, and they had like these, uh, th- this one video where they just collected a clip of, of him saying the N word. You remember that? But to find, yeah, but to find something like that, like think about how long a Joe Rogan episode is. It's typically two hours, right? So there, it was like a, it was like a planned attack for someone to go through so many Joe Rogan episodes to just keep finding him saying the N word, unless there's some sort of algorithm for it. And they just get it and they just try to paint the narrative that he's a racist. And it backfired so spectacularly because what you're saying with the whole mainstream media versus solo people having more credibility, that was on display with the Joe Rogan versus mainstream media debacle. Man, I trust Joe Rogan way more than I trust any mainstream media. Mm. And I don't particularly trust Joe Rogan, but it kind of tells you how much I trust mainstream media. (laughs) I do believe that this is the future where all these mainstream media, right? Like their entire value comes from the fact that people trust them and people don't trust them anymore. So it makes them essentially worthless. Mm, Yeah. I do believe that. Exactly. Exactly. Credibility is big. Have you heard of these people project Veritas? Yes. These guys, I think are like doing stuff that's good for humanity and they deserve respect. Like that's actual journalism. It's called guerrilla journalism. Investigative journalism. Mm-hmm. Batman style. <laughs> I respect good journalism when it takes place. When uh, th- th- both sides are presented, there's a lot of facts, evidence. A good journalist should be very similar to a good scientist. You got to collect the evidence, analyze the results, and do your best to keep your biases out of it. Man, I think that... You, you, first of all, you, you're 100% right. And mm. you've kind of touched upon the biggest issue with journalism, right? The people who are becoming journalists are not becoming journalists because they want to report the news. They're becoming journalists because they, quote unquote, want to change the world. Yeah. Like your job is not to change the world. Your job is to report the news as it is. What you're trying to do is essentially making a journalism fake. Mm-hmm. Like at that point, you're just an influencer, right? And you're a shitty ass influencer. 
Yeah, and a lot of them just want the spotlight too. Where the recent presidential debates that happened, a lot of the people that are the moderators for the debate, they get together and they have like these like group chats, like uh, they're prepping and they're like, who's going to ask the best knockout question in the debate? I'm like, people, this isn't about you. This is about informing the public so they make the best decision for the presidents. But a lot of these, uh, like those moderators, they're operating with the intent of, Who's going to get the best question so they get the most spotlight on them? And how how do you that even evaluate? Sense, yeah, how do you even evaluate the best question? No, I mean like it makes sense from them trying to make their career known, but it perverts the integrity of journalism. I don't think it perverts integrity of journalism. I don't think that integrity existed to begin with. I think it did, man. I I, I think like spreading information is very primal. Like our ancient ancestors did cave painting to not only uh, uh, just showcase imagination, but a lot of them were giving clues for the next generation. So us sharing information is primal. So I think we got to at least hold ourselves to a certain standard. I agree with that. What I mean to say is that the industry of journalism that is publishing newspapers and making TV shows, that has never had any integrity ever. It's only that people are realizing that now and people just did not know it before. Mm. They had these terms like yellow journalism going back to, I don't know, 100 years. Yeah, yeah, 100 years ago. And you will find the biographies and autobiographies of people from over 100 years ago and they will talk about fake news that was happening to them. So newspapers publishing false news about them to get clicks or to get purchases, etc. Like John D. Rockefeller's biography a lot of it is essentially him trying to correct the fake news that was published about him. So people were trying saying things like, you know, he's so evil that his stomach has gone bad and he's put up some kind of reward for any doctor who can fix his stomach. What? When in reality, he got some kind of disease which was doing it. So, yeah. There was a like, media theory. The yeah. whole Michael Jackson controversy thing you were telling me about, that was also fake news, right? A lot of it, yeah, a lot of it was fake news. Like, it was complete fabrication. And when you keep repeating lies enough times, people are going to believe it. Isn't that a Hitler quote? Is it? I don't know. <laughs> I, he, he, he actually said that. He actually said that in an interview, I believe, with Diane Sawyer. Because they were just asking him in these interviews about the lies that were made up about him. They're like, do you really have a tanning bed in your house that makes your, uh, tr tr is trying to make you dark again? And he's like, no, that was just completely made up. And now I'm having to answer this in a, a live interview. Um, so it just happens, man. It's like, um, it's because of the biases and a lot of science, for example, is about doing your best to remove the biases because we have to go in with that assumption that human beings have biases due to limitations of experience and perception. Um, and that's why a lot of scientists are supposed to keep their biases out of it. Uh, but that's when, this is how the money ties into a lot of things. Like if you're a scientist, you're going to need people to fund your experiments. Um, and unless you're a businessman scientist, you're going to, it's very similar to like having a startup idea and trying to get investors to fund you. So when someone is funding a scientist, sometimes that could be a red flag, man, because who are these people that are funding you? Like, do they have an agenda? And if they have an agenda, then your data can be compromised. Research says that the vaccine is safe. <laughs> Coca-Cola is 
not bad for your health. I think the smarter you are, man, the more that you should make the incentive to make more money so you could fund your own projects. There, there's this one physicist that I uh, watch a lot of. Like, I'm a really big fan of his work. And when he's over here doing his lectures, Harsh, he has, like, the utmost swag, the confidence. I'm like, yeah, man, you, you, you go for it, bro. And then in the beginning of his videos and the end of his videos, he's very meek. He's like, it'll really help if you enjoy this content that you support me with some donations. And I, I get it because he's like an older gentleman, so he can't just start a business and fund his own projects now. But you could tell he feels very like uh, un unease asking for that money. You know, I'm like, man, in an alternate world, imagine if he was like this wealthy businessman that could fund his own projects. Like he would probably be producing his best work because he has no one to answer to. But now he has to be like asking for money and stuff. It's like, I believe the smarter you are, the more that you should make it the incentive to make a lot of money. I 100% agree with you there. I think that's the future. I think in the future, we'll see more and more people funding themselves and the cost of executing ideas also reducing. So you mm -hmm. are 100% right. People should try to make more money, especially when they are younger. And uh, I agree with you there, you know, like when you are like a scientist or something, how do you actually fund your experiments? You know, you need a donor and the donor has a reason for giving you that donation. It, it probably is going to influence whatever conclusion you come up with. And likely that the owner has given you some condition. Okay, I own the half the invention or some person of the percentage of the invention you come up with. So there are some pros and cons of it. Wasn't wasn't this the case with Apple? Like the guy, Steve Wozniak or something? He was working at the, some company and technically that company got the first rights to his computer and he had to kind of con the company into giving that up. Steve Wozniak? Yeah, so from what I understand, uh, he was working somewhere and that company would have the first rights to any invention he makes. So he he made this personal computer thing, but then he went and presented it to that company. But he gave the presentation in such a way to make it seem like this is a dull, dumb invention. And now that this other company, this company didn't want to do and didn't want to actually promote the product, then Steve was free to use it by himself. Hmm. I haven't heard of that, but that's a that's a smart move if he if he did do that. I think he did that. I'm not sure about this. I've seen it in a movie. I think Silicon Valley or something. I did hear something about that with a remote. Like apparently Steve Wozniak made uh, one of the first ever universal remotes, but Steve Jobs didn't want him to take that remote and use it in another company beside Apple. Uh, and apparently Steve Wozniak's like, it doesn't even work like that, man. And <laughs> I think he was trying to pull that same game on Steve Jobs, but it didn't work. Yeah, Steve Jobs is an interesting character, right? He's like an insanely great businessman while at the same time being an insanely great marketer while at the same time being an inventor. That's so rare. I think I think Elon Musk is probably a nice successor to him. Mm -hmm. Spiritually. Yeah. There was this one interesting video that was asking like how much would steve jobs be worth if he didn't die so early and i mean throughout the video like he's explaining a lot of his logic and like a lot of the partnerships steve jobs still could have formed and the guy came out with an estimation of like 231 billion dollars or even more easily 
More. Yeah. And I'm like, man, that is insane. See, the difference between Steve Jobs and Bill Gates, harsh, because they used to fight a lot, was the difference in philosophy. Bill Gates believed in a very open interface where other people can pitch in, while Steve Jobs believed in a very closed interface where he controlled the entire life cycle of the consumer experience. And those two different philosophies is what influenced the, the computing market. You know, I saw this interesting tweet. Mm, I'm going to find it. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to name some companies, okay? Okay. And then I'm going to say the punchline. So listen carefully to all of these companies. Coca-Cola, Starbucks, Nike, Walmart, ExxonMobil, AT&T, Visa, Disney, McDonald's, Ford, and Netflix. Apple is worth more than all of these companies combined. Really? Yes. I checked. Okay, my mind is blown. I would not have expected all that. Apple is worth more than Coca-Cola, Starbucks, Nike, Walmart, ExxonMobil, AT&T, Visa, Disney, McDonald's, Ford, and Netflix combined. Bro, that is insane. Coke's in there too? Coca-Cola, yes. Man. Wow. Current market capital of Apple is 2.28 trillion US dollars. Trillion. Trillion, wow trillion and that's insane and this is despite the fact that steve jobs died a long time ago and apple hasn't come up with any interesting products except for the airport so they've kind of been sailing on their iphone for the past 15 years now and even then these guys are worth 2.28 trillions now imagine having steve jobs around don't you think this number could have been much bigger much bigger absolutely exactly and i do believe that if steve jobs would have been alive he would have been worth a lot of money what's interesting about steve jobs is that he was also the ceo of pixar he said something like it's the most creative tech company and the most techy creative company or something right yeah, because before Pixar, there was mainly Disney World that would create a lot of cartoon animation. But Pixar was known for 3D animation. And they pioneered a lot of CGI uh, using computer graphics interface. It was Steve Jobs and John Lasseter who like paired up. And Steve was funding a lot of Pixar. That's what allowed uh, t- uh, Toy Story to come out. So eventually, uh, Pixar got bought out by Disney. But that's one underrated part of Steve Jobs' career, that he saw potential in Pixar. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know much about Steve Jobs, to be honest. Um, Wait a minute. Coca-Cola's market cap is $264 billion. It's almost 10 times smaller than Apple. I'm still surprised that Apple's worth more than like all those companies combined. Well, here's it's my insane. Well, it's not just a 
computer uh, company or electronics company. It's also a lot of culture. It has like real estate in the culture or harsh. There are some girls that will literally not entertain a guy if they have a droid rather than an iPhone. Did you know that? I'm sure we've heard of like, oh, like uh, some girls will be like, you have to be at least six foot tall. And it's like, check. Uh, like he has a nice beard. Check. You have a droid? No, no, no. I, I can have nothing to do with him. This is actually a thing. Not, uh, really? not all girls, uh, Man, of course, but like, crazy. yeah, a lot of girls, like they won't even look at a guy if they get a blue te- or a green text rather than a blue one. Because the green oh. indicates that you have a phone other than Apple. Oh, right. You guys are still on the SMS system. Peasants. Something like that. Does that ever happen to you? Not yet, man. In India, <laughs> iPhones are a luxury, right? Like my phone, like I have a Samsung phone, but it's more expensive than an iPhone because it's the best Samsung phone out there right now. Screw the but iPhone, man. It's all about the Droid. I don't like the iPhone. I have an iPhone too. So I had, I was forced into buying an iPhone because Twitter was releasing features that were just on iPhone. So for the longest time, you could only send out a voice tweet if you were an Apple user. So I had to buy an iPhone because of Twitter. Mm. But I don't like it. It just, I, it, the UI is very clumsy and all the ad, apps have like too many ads. It just, I don't, I'm not a big fan of iPhone. But uh, I think Apple's success is a testament to premium pricing. A lot of businesses that try to be like the cheapest solution out there. I'm like, no, bro, try to be the most expensive solution out there. Hmm. Interesting. I think another thing is that they really do own a lot of their own universe where like there's Apple stores, there's Apple music, there's Apple uh, TVs and stuff like they've created their own universe and they placed people in it. Yeah, it's kind of like you get you get caged to Apple, right? You, if you, you know, the device doesn't work with other things, you got to buy more Apple products to use it. Yeah. Oh, speaking of that, you know, what's the number one media franchise of all time? Like Harry Potter, Star Wars, Lord of oh, the Rings. Like, the number think? one media franchise. And it Harry may Potter. shock you. What let you me say? guess. Let me guess one sec. I'm, I'm, this is like a bad question for me because I'm not the biggest media consumer. But um, Yeah, you better not Google it. Okay, I'm not Googling it. Game of Thrones. Pokemon. Ah, uh, makes sense. Is it still around though? People still watch Pokemon? Yeah, dude. So Pokemon is it's a very genius marketing strategy because what they do is they create different galaxies, right? They'll create Pokemon cards, Pokemon show, uh, Pokemon like toys, uh, Pokemon Go, all of that. And then they'll make all these galaxies talk and then they'll create a universe. So they're always adding new content but their main thing is how can we make our new content connect with the past content? So they have a big hold on like people in their thirties all the way up until like kids in their like age five. People so, in their thirties. Really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, did you, do you remember Pokemon go? I played it for like one hour. Okay. Like I was one time in New York and I, I went to uh, Manhattan and I see like an army of people all running into Central Park. So I'm like, what the hell? What's this group doing? So I start following them. And I see like a bunch of these like grown ass men like oh, ooh, 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 like that. <laughs> like swiping up their phone. I'm like, what are you doing, man? He's like, didn't you hear? There's a Mewtwo here. I was like, what? It's like a Mewtwo. 
And they're trying to catch him. <laughs> they're trying to catch him Mewtwo. And this is like a 35-year-old man with like a suit on. He just came out of work. And he's like acting like a little boy. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, man. You guys like really like this game. Like you could see like the like the obsession in their eyes. Oh man. Oh man. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause here's the thing. Like, if he's 35, I'm pretty sure he was watching the Pokemon cartoons when he was like eight or nine. I'm pretty sure he was in playing the Pokemon cards or collecting them. And now, like when Pokemon introduces a new game, as a 35-year-old, his memories automatically go back to his childhood. Nostalgia is activated, and boom. Mewtwo, man. Mewtwo. <laughs> man. Yeah. Have so... you seen cats? Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. So it was just interesting. Pokemon's very underrated because no one knows that they're uh the number one media franchise. I used to watch Pokemon as a kid. Did you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this also shows that, like, if you have hobbies and you could angle it correctly, you could become very wealthy. Because the guy who uh, created Pokemon, he was obsessed with insect collecting. And since he kept collecting insects, that's when the idea for Pokemon came in. He's like, how about instead of insects, these are, like, other creatures that someone can collect. And from there, he got Ash Ketchum, Pikachu, and such. So, you know, interestingly, in Japan, yeah. the guy who is like the, you know, Ash Ketchup, right? Mm-hmm. His name in Japanese is Satoshi. Really? Yeah. yeah. Your Bitcoin mind got activated? Yeah. I was like, whoa, okay. There's something lucky about the same, I think. <laughs> what's your, what's your like thoughts regarding Bitcoin now? I've seen you post a couple of tweets about it. Uh, what's your thoughts in regards to it? The same thoughts as I had before. Bitcoin Mm. is the future of money, the future of property, you could say. And a lot of people are panicking because of the price, but the price is the least interesting thing about Bitcoin. It's more about the currency. Yeah, it's more about currency. It, it, It is a currency and it's one of the most valuable pieces of technologies and the most important technology out there. It's kind of like, you know, someone has in- invented the internet. The year is 1990, let's say. And people are saying, hey, the internet seems useless, man. Like, who uses this stuff? It's only for nerds. It's a scam and things like that. But really, it's going to change the world. And that's where we are with Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies in general. Like, this is the future of humanity. Your kids, even you, maybe in 20 years, are going to be using crypto for pretty much everything. So your faith in regards to it hasn't wavered at all. You're even more convicted of it now. Nothing has changed. Why Why would you ask me this? I, I don't understand. Well, the reason I'm asking is because I recall you were you wrote a tweet where you were calling out certain people that lost faith in it and you were explaining why. Yeah, I think a lot of people who were earlier in crypto were only in it for speculative purposes. Mm-hmm. And you know, when the crypto market dips, as it always does, and these people kind of be like, this is a scam and they lose money and they cry about it. And I was kind of just mocking them like, dude, you don't understand Bitcoin at all. Like, you don't, you don't know what you got into and now you're crying. Yeah. Well, and it's really thing, funny. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, another thing you mentioned was like some people that criticize Bitcoin, you said can't really explain what Bitcoin is, but they're creating a lot of articles in it. Do you think they're also having an influence on the perception or loss of faith in some people with Bitcoin? 
Yeah, the mainstream media hates Bitcoin and it's kind of mainstream media people, they don't do any research before they write anything. And mainstream media is consumed by the lowest and the dumbest of humanity, right? I think we can both <laughs> agree on that. And these guys are essentially reading opinions by idiots. So you're reading a criticism of a technology written by some guy who does not understand the technology or why it was made. Like how how does that make any sense? Like there's That's a guy so who calls Bitcoin me. Jesus coin and like this is like a religious coin. People pray to it. Like who the fuck? What the what are you? But apparently it's pretty. It's published by some respected magazine and it makes zero sense to me. But I would assume like if you're like let's say the head honcho of a magazine, you're going to have different. You're going to give different journalists different niches that they're going to consume their life with. So I'm assuming the person that's commenting on Bitcoin would at least understand how it works before they're creating their pieces. No, man, that's not how it works. <laughs> but do I give them too much credit? Most articles you read are actually created by random interns and they're just published in the editor's name. And the person publishing them usually knows nothing about the topic. Mm -hmm. And it's just the face of it. And they don't really give a shit. They don't care about research. They don't have the time for it. They don't have the funding for it. And to be frank, they don't even have the inclination for it. They're just people out there trying to like say, oh, I publish an article and things like that. And it's it's a scam. Mm. In fact, you would be surprised if you are in the SEO field, how many of the most popular articles were written by complete idiots. I have Bro a friend who is a ghostwriter. And what she does is not just she, she doesn't just ghostwrite, but she has like a freelancing company. Mm -hmm. And she, like if you are, you know, you run some kind of, company like a news website or something and you want to open like you know a food section on your news website she'll write like hundreds of articles for you there and this individual knows nothing about food like she knows nothing about nutrition but she cranks out articles by essentially copy pasting other people's articles so just rewording them like five best vegetarian foods for weight loss and things like that and these were these articles can get pretty popular like if you google that thing you will see it on like the first page of google and like we most the most popular articles on a lot of topics are written by complete morons who have no idea what they're talking about oh yeah man actually a random plug i have a book out called uh, modern day polymath which teaches you like there's a chapter on how to navigate the internet properly and one of the things i bring up is that you can't always trust first page because uh, and this goes back to one of those documentaries we were talking about in the beginning where uh, it's called the creepy line, where if you see something on the first page, the subconscious automatically is like, I should take this more seriously. And your perception map views it as favorable. But I recall there was this one time, Harsh, where I was trying to learn more about like yoga, meditation, and stuff like that. And the first page was such crap. It was just like a bunch of like classes that they were trying to sell me, which is all fine. Like if you want to make money, I, I have nothing against that. There was no value in terms of the content. I eventually go up to like page six or seven, and now I'm starting to see some articles that did not get any love from the search engine. And now I'm starting to read this content and I'm like, whoa, like this is real good. This should be on the first page. But if you look at it, like it looked like the page looked disgusting. Like it was really slow to load, like no aesthetics, no beauty. I'm like, oh yeah, you're not going to rank uh, for this type of article, even though the content is good. So one of the things is like, if you're really passionate about a topic and you want to learn about it, don't always trust first page. 
go like really deep and that's when you'll find like a lot of these buried treasures i think at this point we need better search engines mhm or we need to we need google and if if a google employee is listening to this please hear us out you need to figure out what articles were written primarily for seo and then delist them but how would they know something like that i don't know figure it out that's their <laughs> job not fine what's your thoughts on i'm going to be like the activist people uh, sorry for cutting you off but just to make yeah. the point yeah like, our job is a demand solution <laughs> not to find them figure it out figure it out and bug have you been seeing a lot of like people on twitter recently like complaining about their engagement and they're taking their profiles Accounts private, private. <laughs> yeah and they've been noticing like a boost in engagement and impressions like what's your thoughts on regards to that it seems to work because all those pro- private accounts are showing up on my profile a lot so clearly it's working i agree with that mm. i just think that if your account is not growing what the hell are you even doing on twitter so yeah i think that taking the account private is it doesn't make sense to me like even the more people see your stuff your account is shrinking so i don't get it mm mm-hmm. but i understand where they're coming from right because the algorithm is like very crappy like it's been crappy ever since trump lost the re-election thing and i think they really cracked down on anyone who produces dissentable content so if, if you have like 100000 followers your average tweet will only reach like 4000 people or in many accounts like 2000 people 1000 people which makes no goddamn sense whatsoever that doesn't so, seem to be happening to you man i i see your tweets all the time <laughs> are people getting jealous of you <laughs> i don't think so see even for my tweets right like i have 350000 followers now i think and uh, a lot of my tweets get like 10000 views which is like i don't know 2% of my fo- fo- follow follow count so I think what's going to happen man is less people need to rely on these platforms. These platforms can switch up on you at any moment. And if your business is dependent upon an algorithm, you should be very scared because you never know when your time is coming. Like when the algorithm is favoring you, like you feel like you're on top of the world and nothing can go wrong, and this may actually make you soft and you may not be planning for your businesses accordingly and you're going to like let's say suddenly there's a algorithm switch you're blindsided and you just implode out of nowhere there was actually this one um interview that i was watching it was with this panel and it was interviewing a bunch of like low margin business owners like they don't get that much margin and they seem to be very jolly about this and the interviewer was like why the hell are you so jolly about having a low margin business and it's like well the thing with us is that we have to make sure that we have the perfect processes and systems like it has to be perfect to the t so they have very robust uh, systems so they're capable of dealing with change very quick and as time goes by their businesses become anti-fragile while a lot of businesses that have high margins they often throw like just money at uh, poor processes to make the problem go away so as time goes on by their business just implodes out of the blue moon so i was like hmm that's actually a very interesting and counterintuitive insight and i'm like it could be applied to algorithms as well where 
when your algorithm like when the algorithm is favoring you you're like oh, okay well i can just put out shit or i don't have to fix the other processes of my business uh where accounts where the algorithm doesn't favor them uh, they're still now in the game they're thinking very wide and they're creating a business that's more anti-fragile and only time will tell i definitely agree with you with that you got to make an anti-fragile business and you can't rely on these algorithms because these algorithms might just kill you one day so you might build your business and then suddenly your account gets banned and there's yeah. nothing you can do i think seo is more consistent than these social media sites but at this point like where do you even go like even google is censoring everybody now so like what's the what's the solution i think the web3 is a solution for the future but right now it's like there is no good platform except twitter you could say because elon has made it better but if that had not happened then there were no proper free platforms mm-hmm. by the way arman i have to get going okay um i just had one last question um or, or do you want to chop this part out um let, let's get the question okay so the question is um from mk board hello brothers would you recommend some sources that will improve people's belief in god life experience okay i would say life experience and i would also say do your best to intellectually understand it rather than having blind faith um do your best to like like study as much as you can like follow science embrace all forms of knowledge and see where it logically leads you to and to not others just see where it logically leads you to and um you should be able to intellectually defend your positions so don't just have blind faith allow matured intellect to eventually turn into faith that's my advice. i will i will add one thing i think that if you don't believe in god like this person if you don't believe in god you don't believe in god it's fine like you don't have to force yourself to do it so i don't i don't understand the motivation behind this question like are you trying to force yourself to believe in god like if you don't believe in god then it's it's okay like you don't there is no requirement to believe in god you could say and i don't think he i don't think he's saying he doesn't believe in god i think he is open to it but he wants to have firmer strength than his belief or his understanding i don't think you should do anything to work on it i think that you should just live your life if if your belief is not very strong it's not very strong that's how it is and life might take you in different directions maybe your belief gets stronger it might get weaker but i don't think that this is a factor worth optimizing intentionally it just happens on its own and you should take what comes with it yeah I, and i i would agree with that i would say organically like your curiosities will pull you certain places so follow those curiosities and see where it leads you yeah you're right i i do I, the only if he if you if he wants a legit answer for this like if he's actually looking for a source i would say study biology because when you start out like you know when you start studying like the basics of biology you're like okay everything is evolution it all makes sense but when you get down to it and actually you know see how complex everything is and it still works out you're like hey wait a minute like this is evolution seems like like it like a very what's the thing simplistic explanation for something so complex and if you want to destroy your belief in god 
learn computer science because it teaches you the opposite thing right like we've built such complex computers and we built them yeah but there was a designer there was a designer yes but it didn't just like random random processes didn't just invent the computer true the point is that even morons like human beings can build such complicated machines and over a period of time like the initial computers were really really simple but as time has gone on because of competitive forces because of the need to be faster and compete with others we have made computers faster we have made more abstractions our hardware has gotten better technology has gotten better and if someone was born today and they didn't they were like told about a computer but they didn't understand that humans built it like if they were not aware that this was done by humans humans put satellites in the sky they would have assumed that god did it like they would have assumed that this is another thing that god did because it's so complex that humans could never do it yeah well i would say it, i would think that it was something that was outside the boundaries of computer that was the initial cause you see so i would say the opposite i say like a stronger understanding of computer science strengthens my belief in god not less i make sense i i can see a perspective you know like this is a complicated device made by someone else so some, basically outside of the boundary outside of the boundary yes so, so i i can i can i can see where you're coming from for example like a mule right like a mule is a man made creation like you take a donkey you take a horse you breed them this does not happen in nature we did it and right. the mule can't understand that we created it like its entire existence is because we made it so <laughs> I, i can i can see a perspective <laughs> we need a, we need a full episode on a topic like this it'll be it'll help us like explore a bunch of different topics because who would have thought we would have brought up computer science when answering a question about god i will say that computer science in my case helped me see the fact that we attribute a lot of things to god which are actually attributable to man mhm i have this uh, like i don't know man like i wrote this tweet a while back ago like the more i learn about technology the more i learn about humans the more i learn about humans the more i learn about god where it's going to take a while for me to explain something like that uh and since we're in the end of the episode it'll be a little too late but i do think like evolution like i don't think that's a bad explanation for anything but my question ultimately comes down to is this some is there something outside of the, of the boundary of space time and causation or is space time causation enough and i think that's what it eventually comes down to where with the computer example like yes uh, like evolution of computer has happened uh, right but there was like that initial cause outside of it where the evolution was even capable of taking place it wasn't just a bunch of random processes that sparked the computer there was that initial will that led to everything so it's it's very similar with life math money like your brand has organically evolved into something much more but initially there was that will of life math money to create that first blog that first tweet and that's what led to the creation and evolution was the byproduct so we could be talking about this for some time it's a topic that i'm actually like very like curious about yeah we should talk about it in our next episode i do believe that the biggest thing i can say is that it creates this like your way of thinking although it's interesting it has the base case issue where you have the inductive step but you don't have the base case what's base case 
so another way I could say poke a hole in your argument is let's say that okay someone created humans someone created a computer right and computer was created by humans humans you're going to ask the by... question of who created god and then who created that creature and who created that thing and who created that thing and this goes so, on until infinity and there is no end to it exactly so what does infinity mean it means something that is beyond space time and causation yeah but that's a cope answer right like you you you're giving me a cope now <laughs> it's not a cope answer it's, it's like, like i don't know i don't know the answer to infinity but it's beyond everything so we don't need well that's try. what we're proposing as a solution it's something beyond space time and causation and that is so when you're asking what is created what kind of question is that that's a time question right how is it a time question because for something to be created like it was created here and before then it wasn't created okay we're going to have to talk about this like in detail because it's one of those things that we got to unpack we can't just like wrap it up we can't do it in the last minute of the episode but <laughs> yeah we'll make a full episode about this yeah that's a good idea let's do it next time okay all right everybody we'll see you guys in 2 weeks and sorry about the late episode and have a good day to everybody and you are man see ya sounds good take care bye bye